Now, as we bring this podcast to an end, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want a one-word answer to it. Can Aston Villa stay up this season? No, I don't think they will. Gather round the lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates the Hello and welcome back to the Gather in the Lamp podcast, set to be a Premier League podcast for yet another season after the excruciating one-all draw against West Ham. Against all odds, Villa have pulled off a great escape from the drop. And while it may have not been the greatest escape, one of the greatest escapes in history, it will definitely go down in the Aston Villa supporters' memories that way. And actually, I think you'll find that since these stats were kind of started to be recorded, Villa's is the most miraculous. It's at 93% chance of being relegated, and they've managed to stay up. As always, I'm Regan. You can find me on Twitter at FineVoy, and I'm joined, as always, by Mark. What is going on, everybody? Mark Jerebi here. You can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH, but you already know that. I am so damn happy today, Regan. I, ca- I can't even explain it, man. I'm hungover as, as I probably could have ever been, but man, I, I'm just so happy for this team. This is 17th is mission accomplished. Me and you've been banging that drum since around this time last year. So, man, I'm just, I'm ecstatic, man. I really am. Absolutely. I was feeling it a bit this morning. I was meant to be going to the gym and ended up waking up at like half past 12. So that's always a positive. But, you know, after the 1-0 winning against Arsenal, which was incredibly unexpected, it was all to do for Aston Villa going into this last game of the season against West Ham. Watford were Arsenal's next opponents on the last day, whilst Bournemouth played Everton. And they were currently at, at, at the start of uh, yesterday below us in the table. You know who who said that the bottom of the table wasn't an exciting and filled with drama? There was potential for three different teams to stay up on the day. Yeah, it was absolutely wild, and like that's you know with me being a, a U.S. supporter and just a, a United States uh, based football fan, you know a lot a lot of my friends they, they're they're really into the the top tier teams. You know, you call it glory hunting or what have you, but like they're really into the top of the table and their their teams that they you know support as much as they can, or you know always fighting for Europe or in the Champions League. So for me, like you know them them sending me messages like, oh, I'm keeping tabs on Villa today, and then they, they actually see how dramatic a relegation battle can can be and how many different scenarios can play out so for me it was kind of a kind of a proud day to say you know we didn't have the best season in terms of points or you know very very overly memorable things but you know this is about exciting as you can get and as we've seen for Aston Villa in the past few seasons now absolutely and before we dive into the West Ham game just what were your feelings off the back of the win against Arsenal you know did you did you feel it was possible for Villa to squeak out a win against a team that was miles ahead of Villa talent wise and, you know, are we going to look at this result and, and go, that's where we stayed up or, or are there other games? I don't know. For me, man, I think the Arsenal result was huge. I didn't think we'd get anything from it. I'm going to be honest. And I, I think, you know, my tone in the last podcast kind of kind of signaled to that. And like, listen, um, it's it's no disrespect to Villa or the players or the history of the club, but Arsenal are, are light years away from where, where we are right now, um, talent wise, money wise, you know, stature even. Um, you know, they're, they're just such a, a you know talented team. They, they have so many players there that we would love to have even one of them at Aston Villa right now. So for us to squeak out a 1-0 
victory and, and, you know, get the needed three points and, you know, against all odds and, all, you know, all the things you heard about, we haven't beat Arsenal in so long. And I, I don't know. It's, it's still the whole scenario, the whole idea that Aston Villa stayed in the Premier League after some of the things we've seen this season, it's still almost like really, really unbelievable to me. How about you, man? Did you, the, I, I know me and you talk privately. I, I didn't think that we had a, a shot in hell against Arsenal. I mean, on the day, I was. <laughs> it's a bit of an odd one, but I was sat. I was sat here, like leading up to the Arsenal game, and I put a bit of Neil Diamond on. I was listening to Sweet Caroline, and I just got goosebumps. And I thought, we're going to get something from this game. And I remember going and 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 speaking to you know uh, James Rushton, Dan Rollinson, Matt Kendrick from from Birmingham Live, and I literally sat there and said, "We're, we're going to win today. We are going to win today," and it ended up happening. Um, obviously, quite quite a, an odd kind of bit of a superstition. Um, maybe you know there were, there were forces beyond our, our realms of imagination working with that game, but I I never expected it. But after after listening to that song, I I, I just had that feeling that we were going to win. Yeah, I got my own little superstitions as well, man. Like I I like to i'm a kind of an old classic rock guy so uh i really like listening to sabbath and you know sabbath's always been one of my favorite bands even when i was younger like learn how to play guitar when i was about 12 13 years old having no idea that they were from birmingham having no idea about birmingham or aston villa at that age but yeah they're one of my favorites and like you know knowing the connection now for years and years like that's just kind of like my my pregame tunes is usually usually sabbath usually early sabbath so yeah i i don't know man i was i i get i wasn't very positive going into the arsenal game but then seeing how we performed and seeing how Arsenal just seemed like they just weren't really up for it. I, I just, it's such a mammoth, mammoth three points. You, you you can't say enough about how much that means and what those three points mean to Villa staying in this league for yet another season. Absolutely. Now let's move on to the final game of the season. And obviously the final, the final day of the season doesn't really go down without at least a little bit of drama. We're going to focus purely on the West Ham and Villa match, but we've got to give credit where it's due. Bournemouth and Watford both look like teams who really wanted to spoil the day for Villa. Ultimately, Watford, Bournemouth and Norwich will find themselves playing championship football next season. But, you know, Bournemouth won 3-1. If we'd have not drawn that game at the very least against West Ham, we'd have been down. And and Watford, we're, we're pushing for a comeback and very nearly uh, at least got a draw against Arsenal if it wasn't for this the outstanding save of Martinez. But where did you watch the game first and foremost? And how nervous were you before kickoff? Uh, I, I I couldn't bear to watch it by myself, man. Like I talked about uh, with my, my vice chairman over here for the for Pittsburgh Lions, um, you know, my buddy Adam Stokes is just an amazing guy. We, we've done so much work this past year with the Pittsburgh Lions and, you know, trying to trying to gain some attention over here in Pittsburgh. But, yeah, I, I talked to him. I was like, hey, man, I, I got to watch this game somewhere. I might as well watch it with you. So it was just me and him just, you know, hung out at his house, socially distanced and watched the game on his back porch. And, you know, to be honest, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And, you know, pubs over here are still, you know, at 25 percent max uh capacity for for me personally you know uh you know our pub isn't isn't it opening up they're doing a little bit of renovation and stuff so to hang out with him and just be you know around someone else who i know for a fact loves this club just as much if not more than me um it, it was it was a it was a really chill you know atmosphere i mean we were we were both kind of on the edge of our seats and like sitting up like we're playing a, a tense fifa game or something like that the entire time so i mean it, it was really nice I, I had a lot of fun with it but man I, i'm just so glad i was able to be with somebody else who loves this club and ha- has it in their soul of, of aston villa football club what about you did you watch it at home did you go anywhere any, any mates or anything no i just watched it as, watched it at home um 
didn't want to go to a pub or anything for for a day like this because for the important games you've either got to be there and obviously when you can't be there then I, I'd prefer to watch it over alone or or at least with like a small group I, I can't be at a pub on a day like this because I'd just get find myself getting annoyed at, at the people like you know with the use of a better phrase chatting shit at a TV screen yeah i mean and that that's where i was too like there was talks that there was a couple uh a couple bars over here that were showing the game and you had to call in beforehand and like reserve a table and stuff like that i'm thinking myself if this thing goes south i'm not going to be in the mood to be around other human beings like i'm going to turn into to a complete ass and it's going to be bad and alcohol will be involved and it's, it just wouldn't have been a good thing so i was like i just wanted a chill low-key hang out enjoy the sun you know, a couple beers, a little bit of whiskey, hang out, and it, it was great, man. I, I really enjoyed myself. It sounds like you had a great time. Um, the first kind of opening period of the game against West Ham didn't see really a, a great display from Aston Villa. You know, passes weren't as crisp as we've seen them previously in, in results against Arsenal and Crystal Palace. Uh, Antonio, West Ham's man in form, wasted a supreme chance in the 11th minute. He found himself one-on-one with Pepe Reina, but he, he tried to get a bit too much power on his on his strike, and his shot went wide of the left stick. How lucky were we not to go down early in the, in this game? You know, Samata had a chance mere minutes later, but didn't really get get any leverage on his header. But we could have found ourselves with a mountain to climb after only like you know 12 minutes. Yeah, that Antonio. Uh... That that miss is is crazy to me because I mean there there were a, we'll get into it there was a lot of like heart dropping moments in this game for for being a one one draw and you know everything that comes around it being the last game of the season uh, Aston Villa fighting you know to stay themselves in the league I just I just look back at that Antonio chance and I'm like how did he miss it he's been on such form you know he's been really really good for them and to see him just scuff that and it's early in the game I I just I I keep thinking even back today when I woke up and I was like how does he miss that. He scored so much more complicated goals through Project Restart. Like, how how did he miss that one? That seemed like that was nailed on. And I'm so happy he didn't score. But, man, it's my my heart sunk as soon as he, he gets a little daylight and you, you see him just, you know, coming down on Pepe Reina. I was like, oh, this is it. This is this is, this is is not off to a great start. But, you know, he pushes it wide and, and, and Villa definitely, you know, find themselves clawing back into that game a little bit right after. Yeah, we absolutely got away with one there. Um, and not not much really happened other than Antonio and Smata's efforts uh, before the first half drinks break. At this point, Arsenal were beating Watford 2-0 and Bournemouth were beating Everton 1-0. But Aston Villa remained above the relegation zone by a point. How stressful did you find it paying attention to three games at the same time? Oh, I hated it. I hated it so bad because I'm, I'm watching the, the over here, the NBC, uh, you know, sports channel. And I got my phone and, uh, you know, I've got I got all the apps and all the notifications on and everything. And I'm just like, man, th- this is this is so stressful. This is like one of the most stressful times I've ever I've ever been around as far as being a Villa supporter that I've got to now look at who's scoring where. And, you know, is this team going to come back? Is this other team, you know, just going to fall flat on their face? It was, it was just really stressful, man. Like, how did you deal with it? There were some people I know that actually had three screens watching three games at the same time. I wouldn't know what to do, man. Um, well, because usually I'm sat here um, with the, the game on one monitor, uh, especially since lockdown, the game on one monitor and then um, the, the uh, match report that I'm writing on the other um, but I had on uh, my second monitor, I had the match report and uh, Sky Sports News. So I was literally listening to two things at once and writing at the same time. So it was it was a quite stressful uh, experience, but maybe for, for other reasons than uh, than everyone else. 
Yeah, I, I just it, it was it was one of those situations where I find myself like looking at the results and then I'm like, OK, what's going on with Watford? And then like checking their possession stats and stuff like while Villa are playing. I'm like, I don't know what to concentrate on. Like, I just I just I don't know what to do. I, I felt so lost. And like eventually I was just like, OK, I'll just put it away till halftime and, you know, we'll just focus on the Villa game in the first 45, which I mean, I, I was expecting for Villa to have a much better performance. They did in the first 45. But even Dean Smith says, um, you know, he, he kind of read them the riot act at halftime and told them there was some there was some things on the line here and you need to you know figure it out yeah i mean we had we had an underwhelming first half and really they wanted to well they should have shown that they wanted to stay in the premier league and we didn't really see that in the first 45 you know really after the drinks break the only things that really happened were antonio picking up a yellow for a tactical foul on mcginn and then him failing conor hurahan right before the end of the half and he should have really walked it was two yellow card challenges, in my opinion. So we could have we could have faced off against West Ham with ten men for the second half, but obviously that didn't happen. Um, what were your thoughts on the first half? Where did you think that Villa needed to improve? Obviously, West Ham had a decent amount of possession during the first forty-five, which didn't seem like something Dean Smith was overly happy about either. Yeah, it it seemed to me that that Villa had a problem with the the marauding fullbacks of West Ham, and they're not overly talented, but they do like to get forward. Um, you know, you saw a little dust up with with Jack Grealish and their fullbacks on a couple of occasions, but I just think that that kind of um, that kind of willingness to be wide for West Ham. Uh, it kind of confused Villa a little bit. It seemed like Villa wanted to play a little bit more compact. I, I just think the passes were just off, man. Like, the, the, I mean, it wasn't like terrible giveaways or anything like that. But it, you know, the link-up play seemed to not be there as prevalent as we've seen, especially you know coming off of that Arsenal result where we passed the ball around pretty well. And you know, there there was link-up play and there was getting into the final third, and guys really looked like they were trying to press the issue to get the ball to players that that have that little bit of offensive flair. Um, I, I think West Ham did about as well as you'd expect them to be with with how they've been since project restart especially over the past four or five games for them but um yeah i just think Villa they they didn't come out flat but they they sure as hell didn't come out energetic either but you know you get into the room and like dino said man you gotta kind of sit them down and be like listen you guys are pissing away a chance here and i I don't know if that's actually what he said but that's that's probably some somewhere along those lines that's probably what he what he told all his players well uh, the start of the second half was a bit of a shock to me, if I'm honest. I I was kind of sitting there and going like, "Whoa, calm down, David Moyes." It was almost as if he was trying to relegate us, as he brought on uh, Sebastian Haller and Andrei Yarmolenko for Antonio and Jared Bowen, and I was just like a double substitution straight off half time with two attacking changes. Like <laughs> this guy wants to send us down, um, but you know. Moving on into the second half, there was not much to talk about, really. You know, Ryan Fredericks proved he's not a fan of Jack Grealish yet again, picking up a booking in the 50th minute for a foul on the Villa captain. And obviously, earlier in the game, Jack had left a, a couple of studs on him. And there seems to be no love lost, really, between the two players. They're often seen having having a bit of banter, having a bit of a chat on more than one occasion throughout the contest. And, you know, it, it seemed at one point like Jack was almost trying to get him sent off. Obviously, if you're not aware, there were, uh, Fredericks uh, was the man that felled Jack during our first playoff final against against Fulham that should have really seen red in that game. Um, around the 60th minute or so, Yarmolenko hit the side netting with a free kick, and and for me personally, that that put my heart in my throat. I thought that had gone in, um, and I I don't know about you, but I, I think you're probably the same. But I I haven't felt my heart sink like that in quite a while. The view on the screen made it look like the ball had rippled inside the net. 
Uh, man, I, you know what? I know that there's there's a decent amount of people that listen to this podcast. I'm going to be completely honest. I screamed like a little girl. I thought I thought that ball hit the back of the net, man. And I, I thought that was it. I looked over at Adam. He's looking back at me. We look back and it's not a goal. It hits the outside. It was just one of those kind of, you know, tricks that the, the eyes play when you're watching something on, on the television screen. But yeah, I, it was like high pitched shrieking, like horror film kind of like shriek like I, I'm, I'm not proud about it but it is what it is but that that's how much that's how much I was almost convinced that that ball was in the back of the net I'm sure the listeners would love to hear you scream like a little girl Mark uh, one of these days we'll have to do like a live game like you know something like that and you, I make some I mean I'm I'm not pleasant to be around watching a villa game with I don't like scream at the tv I don't swear a lot or anything but like the noises that come out of this body you would never expect to hear <laughs> The 66th minute saw Keenan Davis arrive on the scene, replacing Mabuana Samata, which has almost become, uh, you know, one of the whole, whole uh, El Ghazi for Trezeguet's 70th minute substitutions since the resumption of uh, of the league. Um, whilst West Ham replaced Funals with Manuel Lanzini, there was another free kick opportunity dead centre outside of the penalty after John McGinn uh, conceded a foul. And Lanzini stepped up and fired directly into the face of Tyro Mings. And there's been a couple of occasions, both last season and this, this season, that Tyro Mings and his face or head have, have stopped goals going in. Um, but, you know, his, his massive cranium seems to save the day. Yeah, thank God for the big head of Tyra and Mings here because that, th- this is another situation to where the heart starts to sink because you get that dead ball opportunity and you know not to not to you know slate off him again, but this is a pretty I'll, I'll say it, it's a pretty dumbass time to concede a foul, especially where you're conceding that foul at, and then you know steps up Lanzini and he he can put one in, you know he he's got the ability to, to curl a ball and especially if it's dead center. So it was another one of those, you know your stomach's in the throat and I, my palms are starting to sweat. I'm starting to you know inch in my seat a little bit and I was just like man not not like this. Like that, it was just such a poor poor place to concede a foul. But um you know luckily enough like I said we we've got the the massive cranium of Tyra and Mings to save the day one way or another for Aston Villa. So you love to see it. Yeah, the, there's some Eminem lyrics that um, pretty perfectly sit, uh, well, explain what what it's like to be a Villa fan. That's knees, weak arms are heavy. Yeah, I, I, and that's that's literally what it was, man. If like you you've seen a, a a ton of people on social media say it, but I felt like I've aged over over that game. I honestly feel like I I just feel like my walk's a little slower, my back hurts a little more, my heart rate was through the roof. I mean, and I and I'm sitting outside. You know, we we've had really hot weather here the past week, so like I'm sit, I'm sitting out. It's hot outside. I'm just like, man, just please, just just get this over the line. Like I it, it was starting to take a serious toll on my health, Regan. I'm not even playing. I just realized I completely butchered some Eminem lyrics. It's uh, palms are sweaty not arms are heavy um, oh look at you look at you you should know that you're younger than i am <laughs> my bad my bad but let's let's get into the real juicy part of of this game and that's uh, jack Grealish scoring an exquisite goal with six minutes remaining and he placed an exceptional shot into the into the uh it looked like it went into the top right corner when i read the match report but it seems on on a second viewing that fabianski should have probably done a bit better with this shot the West Ham keeper, as as I've already said, may have been able to do more, but we weren't complaining in the slightest. It was happy days, and it looked like Villa would go on and win three points on the way to Premier League safety. But literally, just a minute later, Yarmolenko had taken a shot, cut inside from the right, shot with his left foot, and it deflected wickedly off Jack Grealish's leg and looped over Pepe Reina, who was off his line. I saw a lot of people 
on um, on on Twitter because I'm I'm a big FIFA player, and there's a thing in FIFA called like the kickoff glitch, where basically if you score, the the uh, the the game kind of strengthens your opposition if you're playing online to make it more plausible that they will score directly from like the kickoff to get them back into the game and that was exactly what it was like it was almost as if like you know the, the footballing gods were like whoa okay we need to get West Ham back into this game a bit and bang they did I mean it was a freak goal it, it, the chances of that happening were you know it looked like something like you would see in a FIFA Rage compilation yeah, I I couldn't believe it, man. Like I just the way it all materialized, and that, that's it's Aston Villa Football Club in like eighty seconds or so to score a big massive goal like that exactly when you need it from your club captain who happens to be you know a, 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 it's his club. Like let's be honest, it's Jack Grealish's club. He's he's been with the club forever, um, drug us up to promotion now scoring a goal, and it was just like the story was set, the stage was set for Jack Grealish to, to do something remarkable in this game, and he does. And then you know you get the sad trombone, you get wah wah wah, and then like this happens, and like I, I saw people talking about like Pepe Reina should have been on his line. Like no, if you look where that like that shot came from, that ball had no business. Like you, you try that again a thousand times, I guarantee you, you're really getting it in the back of the net, maybe ten. I, it's just it's so. Like it's it's basically remarkable to me that that ball finds its way in the back of the net. And Pepe Reina himself, you know, he blamed himself on that goal, but I I think he's being a little hard on himself. I don't really. I just think it was a freak accident that that would never happen again. And it's so it's, it, the highest the highs for Aston Villa are, are soon met by the lows of the lows. And you know, one day we'll break that duck and it won't be like that. But man, I was I was just so upset. Like it was, it was like I said, it's just the emotion, the range of emotions in those 80 seconds. I was just like, what what is going on here? <laughs> I couldn't understand it. Well yeah, like I'm I'm such an emotional supporter. Like I I I have I haven't hid this. I've I've told people about, you know, tears at the plaid final and whatnot. But I'm such an emotional supporter and I'd literally um you know, I'd I'd been drinking. I was probably on my my fourth or fifth, fourth or fifth beer, and um, you know, Jack Grealish scored, and I was in tears. I was I was crying. I was like, oh my god, it, of all the people to score, it's Jack, and and what a goal, and you know, it's going to keep us up. And then literally, my stream crashed. I refreshed the stream. I had so much adrenaline. My stream crashed. I refreshed the stream, and I just see this ball smack off Grealish's leg and leap over Pepe Arena. It was like being on a roller coaster. I had like the high adrenaline, and then I literally just dropped. I felt so physically ill at the fact that I'd gone so up and down so quickly. It was unreal. Yeah, dude, I'm right there with you. I, like, I, I honestly, like, I just sat there. Like, I think I threw my hat off of my head onto the ground because, like, out of frustration and anger. And then I just sat there with my hands, like, on my cheeks for probably, like, a good, like, minute. And I'm like, how does that happen? Like, how, of all the times for that to happen, and, like, Villa's been doing so good since Project Restart about, like, errors that lead to goals. You know what I mean? Like, we have no, like, individual errors that have, that have led to, you know, go, and we've seen it so many times this season, and we've gotten so much better at it. And then for that to happen, it's such a time that we need to get this thing over the line. I was just like, man, not this way. I think I even said that out loud, like, three or four times, like, not this way. Don't do not do this to me. Like, we're we're we haven't been great but we're better than this like come on let's go absolutely and obviously it meant in the truest Aston Villa fashion that the team would have to hunker down and do things the hard way by grinding out a result uh there were four minutes added on 
at the end by the referee. And you know, these four minutes were almost as bad as the the, the playoff finals uh, added time. You know, it seemed like an eternity, and really, it was just Villa trying to keep the ball, keep the ball in the corner, and you know. John McGinn and Keenan Davis are the two perfect players for this. They are literally battering Rams when it comes to protecting a football. And you know, people I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, Keenan Davis can't score, Keenan Davis can't do this, but he has his uses and he is very adept at those uses. Um and I'm happy to keep him around at the club, but unless, you know, Championship Club wants to loan him or whatever, fair enough. But you know, he has his uses, especially if we're trying to protect the lead. He's a quality, quality forward to have on the pitch. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it, there's times when Keenan Davis, Keenan Davis, it seems like a ball comes at him at a, a pretty decent velocity, you know, d- decent speed and whatnot. And it's almost like he has the ability to like kind of just like hoover it up. He just kind of vacuums it to his body. Sometimes it, you know, he takes it off the chest. Sometimes he's able to, you know, deal with it with, with nice control skills. But I mean, that's kind of what you needed at the end of the game, especially an important game like this where you're trying to grind out a result. And yeah, it's it's a draw and it's against West Ham who are basically playing for nothing. But like this was very, very important to have these players play their roles. Like you seen John McGinn in the corner, you know, getting, you know, kicked about and pushed about trying to protect the lead. Keenan Davis, you know, had had balls that came into him from the uh, midfield areas that he was able to control. It, those are important things to happen. And I'm not it's not going to win you Premier League titles, you know, and it's not going to, you know, be, do all the things that Villa fans want you to do, um, you know, but this is a part of the process, you know, and it was a massive, massive thing for this football club to find a way to stay in the league. And they, they did it, um, you know, all credit to, to the players and the staff. They really do deserve it. I mean, for, for my money, you know, this is a part of the process. I'm a little different in the fact, like I've, I've followed teams that were garbage for a long period of time. I know that it's a project and a process and it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen over, you know, sometime even the term of, of two to three or four seasons. It's, it's, it can be a long thing. So for me, it's a little different. I, I we, we said it, you know, last year around this time that 17th is mission accomplished. It's been a tough road. It's been a tough season. It's been an emotional one for me. Um, you know, the, the ups and the downs, more downs than ups, but I mean, I don't know, not to get on a rant here, but you know, this, this is, this is a great thing. There's a lot of people saying you don't celebrate being 17th in the Premier League. I think for Aston Villa being promoted effectively fifth last season, you damn sure celebrate finishing 17th this year. Absolutely. And it's the start of it's the start of, you know, everything that we've been waiting for really. We we're we're consistently a uh, a year ahead of schedule. So now we're kind of on schedule if you if you catch my drift. Um but you know the uh, the final whistle went, and the players and staff gathered on the pitch to await await the final whistle elsewhere, and then it happened. Premier League safety was confirmed, and you could see the smiles and the happiness, the elation on on the faces of every person affiliated with Aston Villa. You know, Trezeguet looked like a mammoth weight had been lifted off his shoulders, especially after you know the the goals that he scored of recent that have helped us remain in the Premier League. You know, Jack Grealish was seen wiping away a tear or two. Dean Smith was smiling as wide as the eye can see. And I have to note, you know, as soon as the final whistle went um, at the London Stadium, you know, he he, all the players were kind of like, yeah, we've done it, we've done it, and he literally just said, not yet, not yet, just wait. Yeah, because he knew. Yeah, he he yeah he knew he knew it could happen. I mean, you, you talk about Trezeguet being on the floor, and that there's a very short. Uh, I guess the the camera caught it, but Trezeguet is like on the floor, and it looks like he has like his hands like over his eyes, and Henry Lansbury of all people is like over top of him trying to you know get him off the floor, and like I've I've been a very big 
you know, I've, I've criticized Trezeguet all season. Um, I'm thankful for the goals he scored, but his inconsistency is just not enough for me. But to see that, to see him like physically like on the floor and like how much it meant to him, like good on him. Good on Trez, man, because, you know, he his goals definitely were a big contributing factor to this club staying up into the Premier League and all. But I, I don't know. I, I love seeing that kind of passion from players, even if, you know, they might have known they had an underwhelming season. I, I just think, you know, he, he's been he's been slated a lot. We'll be we'll be honest about it. There's a lot of people that don't like Trezeguet. As, as a player for Aston Villa Football Club, I, I but it's good to see that he was he was that emotionally invested. He was like, okay, we we actually did this thing. I can you know get this weight off my shoulders. I'm more than happy to have Trezeguet around at the club next season. I think you know since the restart, he's come up good with the goals, and I've I've seen his work rate. The amount of times I've seen him in the position where El Mahamedi or Gilbert should be, and he's he's you know sweeping round and taking the ball off a, a left winger or a attacking fullback. From the opposition, I think his work rate has massively improved. And you know, I I spoke in a podcast probably five six months ago, and I said that he's not been up to scratch. But I, I'll eat my words, and I will say I would I would be happy to see Trezeguet remain. Maybe not as a starter, maybe as a squad option. But I I, I am happy to see Trezeguet doing so well for Villa. Yeah, I could see him as a squad option. <laughs> I mean, you know, with the amount of money we spend this past year, I still think this this squad needs solidified. I just there's certain areas we spent a lot of money on, and I don't see them. You know, I don't see Villa spending money in places where they spent a lot. As I mean, we we seen it from the Dean Smith comments after the game. Um, you know, I I just. For for me, Trezeguet, I just I need more from a modern day Premier League winger. I want him to be more consistent, and he he showed what he can do. You know, over the past five games, um, you know he he's shown what he can do. But I I need him to track back just a little bit more defensively, and he did against West Ham. I'm not saying he didn't. You know, he he was he was very very good. You know, as far as doing that, but I just. I'm not sure that he's a starting option. I would not mind at all seeing him come off the bench, you know, to either, you know, sub out whoever's on the left or the right. But, um, yeah, good on him, man, because it looked like the weight of the world was was off his shoulders. Uh, I mean, you know, good good luck on him. Absolutely. And speaking of Smith's post-match comments, he was very complimentary of his squad, saying that we didn't need to throw caution to the wind. They're a good team at the moment, and we were resolute. I knew that Jack would score today. He was due one. The lads saw the game out well. And he also knew that he, this Aston Villa team were not likely favoured to avoid the drop this season. But he reiterated, if we got relegated today, I would have said the same thing. There was a big change we had to make at the football club at the end of the season. Not many people understand that we had to build a new team, a new squad. People just looked at the money we spent and it averaged out to about £9.5 million a player. We used the pandemic to the best of our ability, I feel. I lost my father through that period. There was a lot of disappointment. But we worked very hard because we knew we had to work hard to defensively be better. The last 10 games is a credit to those players because they worked very hard. And I think that's exactly it. That It's just hard work on the training ground, on the Zoom calls, whatever. And it has paid off. And I am, I am exceptionally, exceptionally happy for, for the lads and Dean Smith. Yeah, because if you remember dur- during the period that everything was shut down and Dean Smith was, uh, I think, was on Villa TV, they interviewed him. And he said he's talking to players every day and they're going through film and talking about positioning and uh, even as far as diet and recovery and things like that. While while their um, you know football wasn't being played, they just wanted the, all the lads to stay in shape and things like that. But we always like me and you and you know a lot of other people kicked around like, what is he actually talking to them about? How much can you actually you know train a player or get a player uh, ready for the resumption when you're not 
face to face with him. And I think no matter how he went about that, he did an absolutely brilliant job. You got to tip your your hat to the coaching staff. And I'm sure it wasn't just Dean. I'm, I'm sure it was, you know, the rest of the guys as well. But I, I mean, you, you think about what was actually said, what was done to make this defense miles better than it was. And it, it's not even like they were just a little bit better. They were a lot better as a team, the, the shape of everything, tactics, how it worked out. Even if you look at that Chelsea, you know, that loss against Chelsea was ugly and we, we couldn't get a sniff of the ball. We were still very compact. You know, we didn't lose 6-7-0. We, we just couldn't, we couldn't get the ball in, in, in the final third of the pitch. But we defended, you know, arguably pretty well. And it was a loss and everything, but I, I think that a lot has to be put on Dean Smith as far as how he got this team to turn around. But, you know, you got to got to make sure that that's the same exact way that you prepared for, for this run of games with Project Restart. I want to see that same amount of preparation, that same amount of everybody buying into the idea when we start the next season. Absolutely. And, you know, we've we've been very vocal on the podcast saying, you know, that that Dean Smith deserves a legacy at Villa. Even if we went down, I think he should have he should have kept his job. And I know I've seen a couple of things on Twitter saying that his job's completely secure after keeping us up. What are your thoughts on on Dean retaining his job? Has he done enough to prove to the owners that he's learned enough for next season? Um, I probably have a little bit of a different opinion than than a lot of people do. I mean, I'm, I might be wrong in this aspect, but I, I try to think it on the on the um, the grounds of stability, um, just stable footing and steadier footing for a football club such as Aston Villa for where they are right now in the Premier League. Um, so I think Dean keeps his job literally on the fact like he didn't have a great season let's be honest this this wasn't a fun season for for the majority of Aston Villa supporters but just to keep things stable and keep things as much as possible and actually try to build something here I think you have to keep Dean I mean we're six we're six weeks away from from play resuming again for for the next season you know so you have to keep things I mean there, there's got to be a nice even balance but for me there's no way in hell that you sack Dean Smith now I mean yeah I get it he's finishing the season on the best run of form that he's had all season um I, I get that there might be other coaches that are starting to emerge that might have more experience. You know, I, I know that people want to be in La La Wonderland and think that we're getting in Pochettino. I, I get all the opinions. I can completely understand that. But for right now, where Villa's at for me, Dean Smith cannot lose his job. Keep that the same. Keep this, you know, spying crop of players that, that you found. And, you know, some of them will move on. I, I do think that some of the signings that we made last season, I think they will move on. Um, but, you know, as far as the man at the helm, with everything that Dean's gone through, especially in such a weird, crazy season that none of us, not nobody saw this coming, that we'd have a gap in play and everything that surrounds it. I just, I, th- I think he's the man for this club, Regan. What about you? What do you think, man? I completely agree. Um, obviously, you look at Leicester when they won. They they survived by the skin of their teeth. Uh, sacked Pearson, brought in. Um, oh, I've completely forgot his name. Ranieri. Oh, yeah, Claudio Ranieri. Yeah, brought in Ranieri and won the league the next season, you know. And, you know, I've seen seen people say, oh, we should sack Dean Smith and and bring in, you know, whoever, and we'll win the league next season. And uh, history doesn't repeat itself that often. And not within that many, you know, that short space of time. It's been, what, five years. Um, So the, the best thing is to stick with Dean Smith. Obviously, if we have a horrific start to the next season, then we, we, we sit and we discuss what's going on and, and whether Dean should stay. But at the moment, Dean has deserved to remain as, as Aston Villa manager. Let's move on to um, the post-game frivolities. Obviously, Pepe Reina went live on his Instagram account to give us all a bird's-eye view of the celebrations after the game. The The keeper said before the game that keeping Villa up would be a mammoth achievement for him. Um, 
in a career that's really been amazing, you know, Champions League winner, Europa, not Europa League, um, Euro Championship winner. Reyna was seen singing and going around the dressing room to various players to celebrate with a Budweiser in his hand, singing songs. Uh, he grabbed Nyland Steer and, and the goalkeeping coach Neil Cutler together for a moment as well and, you know, had a little dance with the uh, the GK Union. What can you say about Reyna and his time at Villa, you know, other than the fact that he has been an integral part in keeping us up? You know, he has had his issues, like speaking of Leicester again when he rushed off his line. Um, but, you know, leadership, veteran ability. You've got to beg the question whether Villa would have survived if Nealand was given the, the reins permanently. And obviously you can't just presume that we would or wouldn't. You, we, we don't know. But uh, it's nice to hear that at the end of the live stream, Rayner went on to say that he would be a supporter of Villa next season. And it made it seem like he is moving back to Milan uh, as soon as he can. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I after that, that gaffe against Leicester, I, I was very upset with Pepe Reina. And I, you know, if you go back and listen to that podcast, I, 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 I said it. I'll be honest about it. I said it. I didn't want to see him ever take the sticks for Aston Villa again. Um, I'm glad that wasn't the case now. I think that you can see just from that like little bird's eye view, like like you said uh, in the locker room, that, that Reina is well-liked. Um, probably needed somebody that's a leader and experienced and has, has been around s- some hard times and hard challenges. Um, so I don't have a problem whatsoever with Pepe Reina taking over from Nylon. Um, I don't think we get promoted if Nylon stays at the goalkeeper but we never know that's all conjecture now but um, I'm I'm glad that he had his time here and I'm glad that he seems like he really kind of I guess fell in love with the club a little bit um, you know I can I definitely don't think he will be an Aston Villa player next season stranger things have happened um, I, I wouldn't doubt that um, if a deal can get worked out that he would, he would look, you know, at Villa coming in, but you know, we still have Tom Heaton recovering from injury. And I think Tom Heaton's going to be the guy you're going to see between the sticks for the next couple of years at Villa. I mean, we don't know how his knee's going to hold up. Um, you know, it's, it's not like he's too, too old or anything heats, but, uh, I, I don't know. I think, I think they brought in Reina to do a job and he, he, for all intents and purposes, he, he did that job fairly well. I mean, do you think that we needed that kind of leadership and veteran ability and maybe even a little bit of silliness in the locker room? Cause Reina seems like he's a guy that she, he's always on 10, you know what I mean? He just seems like he's always, always just up for it or having a good time. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think that's something we missed when Heaton was injured, um, you know, he was he was going through his rest and rehabilitation, so he wasn't around the dressing room as often, and that that kind of raw veteran ability was was something that we did miss. Um, but you know, moving forward in in in, the, in terms of the podcast, we, we've got a lot to talk about in terms of uh, signings and the transfer window. Uh, you know, the season resumes in six weeks and uh, it's it's been a crazy, crazy year for football with the, uh, you know, project restart, the, the postponement of the league, all the things like that. But transfers are already well underway. Um, bit of villain related news. Uh, Matthias Sarkic, the young goalkeeper, has joined Wolves on what I believe is a free transfer after his contract has expired. Um Obviously, going to be playing third fiddle to to Ruddy and Rui Patricio, but from what I've seen, he has got the ability to potential take potentially take on a mantle, um, you know, in a couple of years' time if Wolves deem him fit to do so. Um, and as well as that, a little bit of news coming from BBC Sports, literally in the last ten or so minutes. Uh, the sporting director uh, Jesus Garcia Pitark is set to leave Aston Villa. 
His position was under scrutiny after transfer spend and differences of opinion with Christian Perslow. Uh, Sarkic, Suso, what have you got to say, Mark? Uh, Sarkic, I think right ability, wrong time. I, I, I do think that he... I, I think he's a good keeper. Um, you know, when he was dispatched out on loan, he did, he did fairly well. Uh, I believe he won one, I think it was player of the month or player of the week a couple times. Well, he, he was at Livingston, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was at Livingston. Yeah. So, I mean, and we, we've written about it, man. The Livingston fans were all about Matias Arkers. They, they wished that he'd be able to stay, but you know, they know him coming from Aston Villa and then with the contract and everything, he was probably going to move on. Um, I think it's a good signing for Wolves. I'm not sure that he gets too, too much game time there. Um, you know, still very young, still very raw, but you know, good luck, good luck to Matias Arkic. I think that, you know, he, he does have the ability to be a goalkeeper. Um, I, I not, I don't want to say like in the, in the too, too soon future, if that makes sense, I, I think that it's going to be a work in progress for him. It might not even be at Wolves. You know, he, he might want to get some game time as he starts to age a little bit more. But the talent's definitely there. The ability's definitely there. I'm just, you know, like I said, the, the right talent at the wrong time for Aston Villa. Uh, as far as Suso, I want that guy away from this club as fast as possible. Um, that's that's just my opinion. I know some people think that, you know, he just worked with what he knew, and that's great, but not, not for me now. I mean, you, you saw the, the kind of recruitment he did, and by and large, you know, there's some definitely some questionable signings, more than a couple, I would say. But, um, yeah, with I, I won't be upset if, if, if Suso is officially gone, you know, in the next couple hours here. Yeah, I, I would agree. I have to agree. You know, his position has been under scrutiny. Um throughout the season for signings. He he's had um I don't think his recruitment has been awful as some of the players are starting to realise their potential. You know, Wesley was looking great before before he picked up his injury or starting to look great. Um Douglas Luis has been an outstanding player since he's learnt a bit of English and, and had his time to adapt uh during during the lockdown. Um, you know, we've got the third lowest average wage in the league, so you could argue we've overperformed. I think the signings are actually quite good for the money we've spent. Yeah, it's just, I like, I don't know what Marvelous Nakamba does well. You know, and I, I'm sure that it's something. I just don't know what it is. I mean, it might be just a culture shock thing, man. People settle in at, at different times. Again, not the biggest fan of Trezeguet. Can don't think like I, I don't have a problem with him being brought in. I don't think he needs to be brought in to be number one as far you know, on either flank. Um, the Danny Drinkwater thing was really strange. What a weird time that was. Um, you know, I, and there's some people that that genuinely don't like Pepe Reina and think that we we could have got maybe a better goalkeeper in. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and now we're looking at being you know in the Premier League again next season. So, I mean, I I don't want to say it was terrible. I just I think Villa had a plan to try and sign younger players that are coming into their own in an attempt to maybe drive their transfer value up and then sell them on you know in a few seasons. And if that was the plan, they'll, they'll, that probably will work for Villa. But I don't know, man. Like he saw by the skin of our teeth, we stayed up. You know, maybe one or two different signings. Maybe you know we're we're sitting in thirteenth or fourteenth, and we're not so stressed out yesterday. Absolutely, and as of today, you know, the transfer market is open. It will remain open until October the second, long after the season begins on September the twelfth. There was there's going to undoubtedly be twists and turns for every football club in the transfer market, and you know. Some clubs have already started to make signings. Bournemouth signed Adam Lallana today. Um, but, you know, the spending pay was uncertain for, for, for Villa and the rest of the clubs. But if there was one signing you think Aston Villa should make, who would that signing be? So I did a little bit of research. Um, you know, I've been 
pretty much since Project Restart because I, I, everybody knows I, I haven't been happy with the striker position at Aston Villa and Wesley going down is a big miss. Um, I'm not sold on Samada. I don't I don't know if it's the physicality of the Premier League or maybe you know again he's taking a little bit more time to settle than anyone else. I just he gets. I don't know. He drifts out wide too much, and then he gets collapsed on. It's 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 just a tough situation for Samata. Um, love Keenan Davis. I'm a part of the Keenan Davis fan club, but I'm not sure that he's an answer as well. So I went looking for um, strikers throughout the entire world, and one that I really came across was uh, Mallorca just got relegated from La Liga, um, but there's a striker they have named Anti Budimir. Uh, he's a little bit older than what than what the MO has been for bringing in players. Um, you know, he's 29 years old, six foot three. He's got 13 goals and two assists and 35 appearances this past season. And now the Mallorca side's not very good at all. They don't really have a lot there. Um, you know, th- this specific player, Budimir, he is being courted by other clubs in La Liga, obviously, because they just got relegated. But, I mean, he he's ninth all of all La Liga players this season for expected goals. He's eighth of all players in goals you know, just generally scoring the Liga. His holdup play is really good. His heat map looks exactly what Dean Smith wants to play as far as having a center forward. Um, again, he's, he's only really valued around 4.4 million. Um, that could drive down a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not looking at Budimir to maybe come into Aston Villa to be, um, you know, like the number one guy. Like I said earlier, I don't think Villa is going to spend a crap ton of money on positions they've already spent money on um you know but he Budimir loves bringing players in as well and it, it, this isn't me looking at YouTube highlights or anything like that like I've watched full games of this guy um you know he loves playing other players in especially wings that like to pinch in that seems like another thing Dean Smith really fancies to get his wingers to do to get up the pitch and then you know kind of like diagonal runs in, into the box um Budimir has a 74.2 percent uh, passing accuracy that's pretty high for strikers in La Liga I feel like I'm going on a little bit of a rant here but but I don't know I'm not saying this will be the guy I'm just saying that if you're going to look for a striker and someone to compliment Wesley because I still think Big West is going to be the number one I would look for someone like this who has a high higher passing accuracy likes to get the ball at his feet all that kind of thing what, what about you did you pick a player up um now you know there's plenty of players that you know I'd love to see Ben Rama as a Cantwell um the Watkins there's there's loads I've named two Brentford players there, but there's there's another Brentford player that I would bring in. Um, and it'd be more of a backup, if anything. Um, possibly pushes Neil Taylor at the club, and that'd be Rico Henry. I think, you know, he, he has great defensive attributes. He's stellar going forward and links up well with his with his wing back. And it's something that, that you know, Matt Target does very well as well. But it's something that we miss when Matt Target is, is out. And to have the rotation option of Rico Henry would be outstanding. You know, I'm pretty sure Dean signed him for Brentford. Um, the same that he did for Consor, I believe. And, and look how well Consor's turned out towards the end of this season. So for me, I would have to say Rico Henry. And, you know, if we could get Watkins in that deal as well, then, then so be it. Or even Ben Rama. Um, but I do think that we need to, you know, I think we've got the right-hand side covered. I think Gilbert with a backup of, of Elmo is absolutely fine for next season. But I think that Taylor's probably edging past it now a little bit, um, possibly due a, a drop down to the championship now. Um, and, and having Rico Henry as a backup is, is my option. I'd absolutely love if Rico Henry came in. And I think you're right. I think they do have to solidify uh, the left fullback position. Um, there's some people just aren't happy with Matt Target, and I get that. Um, I just think that he he's going to get better, and I think he's shown through the season he's going to get better. Listen, like Matt Matt was sitting behind, you know, uh, fullback escapes me at Southampton. Bertrand was it Ryan Bertrand? Yeah, Ryan Bertrand. He sat behind Ryan Bertrand for a pretty decent amount of time, not getting 
much time on the pitch itself. So I think Target had, you know, I think it was kind of a baptism by fire a little bit. Um, I think he will get better. Um, and we've all seen, I mean, you saw that video with Matt Target. Uh, he he loves this club. He likes being here. Like he he loves being at Aston Villa. So um, I like players like that. Show a bit of emotion. Now emotion doesn't get you everywhere. You still got to have the talent and the drive. But yeah, I definitely think that um Rico Henry. I'd be really really happy if if Dean found a way to get Rico Henry in. Absolutely. Obviously, he picked up a red card in a Brentford's playoff semi final the other night. But you know you can't just judge a player on on one sending off. Um, before we end the podcast, just a quick update on the magazines. They're still able uh, and up for pre-order, but not for much longer. Uh, I'm just putting the finishing touches onto the magazine, and then they'll be printed and sent out. So if you would like to pre-order one, make sure you do so as soon as you hear this. Otherwise, you'll probably miss out. Um, and other than that, just a massive thank you to each and every one of you who supported us this season, especially through the pandemic period that's rattled the world. Your support doesn't go unnoticed, and it is very appreciated. We're in for a wild ride over the next couple of weeks, and as always, we'll be right here with you every step of the way. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, If you have enjoyed it, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's at Villalamp, or forward slash, or at under a gaslit lamp. And as always, up the villa. Up the villa. (laughs) 